You're listening to the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. This is a podcast focused on how communications can spark innovation and career growth. My name is Kevin Anselmo. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. On this episode, I am delighted to be interviewing Brandon Wright. He is the director at the Career Center at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Thanks for having me. Can you please share a little bit more of what you do day to day at UAB? Yeah, so I get the privilege of being the director of the UAB Career Center in the Division of Student Affairs. And so there are multiple career centers on campus. And so I get to oversee one that is in the Division of Student Affairs. And so day to day, I get to provide the the strategic mission and vision and all of the, the different partnerships that happen around campus as it pertains to the direction that the institution will take with regard to career curriculum and career negation and ensuring that our students have a smooth transition from college to career. So there's a lot that goes into that. You know, a lot of meetings, a lot, <laughs> a lot of proposals, you know, a lot of restructuring. And so right before we ha- uh, were sent home, we had just renovated our, our new space. And so a completely renovated career center uh, that we got to living in for about three months before we had to go home. So (laughs) So hopefully you can get back there soon. Yeah. One of the things we like to do on this podcast is look at kind of the different communications tactics that support innovation and career growth. And we're always interested in hearing about stories. Can you maybe share the story of whether it's a student or a group of students that you've worked with where you were able to see how your support and their ideas and their skills help them grow in their careers and innovate in their careers? Yeah, absolutely. I have one student in particular that was at a former institution that I was the director of the career center of. He actually was a, a mechanical engineer with a love for bow fishing. Uh, this was in Arkansas. And so he completed his mechanical engineering degree, but he loved bow fishing. I think he wanted to make like a career out of it. And I had no clue what this, what this was, you know, (laughs) can you even have a career as a fisher and things like that? Like just doing tournaments and things like that. But he was adamant about it. And so as he was matriculating through his undergraduate studies as a mechanical engineer, he actually, we met several times. He actually came across a problem that all bow fishers have. And so as a bow fisher, apparently how he likes to do it, they like to fish at night. Mm -hmm. And so as they were fishing at night, they were having problems with the light set they tried to use and things like that. And so he started tinkering around in his uh, garage on his boat and started putting LED lights around the rim of his boat Little did he know that that was going to turn into a a seven-figure business. And he launched that business while he was an undergraduate. And now Uh that business, that idea that he Uh had when he came across that problem to try to solve for his own success while he was boat fishing, turned into something that other people wanted installed on their boats and was willing to pay he had, he had a very niche market. He was able to provide uh, the, the services and the products. And now that product and those resources provided him with the, with the capacity to be a 
you know, a fisher for life. <laughs> so he can do tournaments, fishing tournaments and things like that for life now. So that's one student in particular that I can remember yeah. because he had a degree path that he was going through, but he actually, you know, he had this love and this interest for something that was in a quite in a area. So. And, you know, surely you're not going to take credit for this, but I'm sure you did kind of uh, provide guidance at some part along his journey. Can you maybe talk a little bit about maybe what your role was in terms of helping him kind of go down this path to, you know, sounds like great success? Yeah. So, you know, really, it's just about uh, helping him understand that it's okay to take risk. Mm -hmm. And just because you can't get a degree as a fisher doesn't mean that your your love cannot be something that you can't design your life around. And so I think I had just read Life by Design by Bill Burnett. I really just tried to encourage him to say, hey, you can use your mechanical engineering degree to create things that will you know, support this fishing niche that you love, right? So that you can be involved and that you can find a community here. You can find a life here, but you can, people got to build these boats. People got to build, you know, the fishing rods. People got to build and and make things better for this community. And so just getting him comfortable with the risk involved with going against all his other classmates, right? So all his other classmates are going to work for the nuclear plant or going to work for these different uh, firms and things like that. But here he was looking to go into, you know, fishing. And so uh, just getting him over the, the hurdle and really coaching him and say, hey, it's worth going there. It is worth it. Trust me, because uh, we all know the data on people who get these degrees and, and are miserable in jobs just because that's the state status quo, right? So just really encouraging him and coaching him along the way. He had the business plan. You know, he he did a lot of research. And and so he came to the table with what he what he was thinking about. And so really, it was just coaching and getting over that fear aspect. Uh, Hopefully, he's remembered you now that he's generating a seven figure business. Oh, yeah, we're yeah, we're good friends. We're good friends. (laughs) Good. Sounds good. So, you know, this individual sounds like someone who had a lot of clarity, a lot of passion. I trust that you're also working with students who don't always know exactly which direction they want to go. So for that student population, how do you help them gain the clarity that they need to succeed in their career? As a career coach and a career consultant, Initially, there's some procedural things, some protocols that a student will complete upon their entry into our career center, one being the focus two assessment. And we know we all know about that assessment and the five assessments that are generated through focus two. And what it delivers at the end is that kind of sort of some options that are aligned with personality, skills, and interests and things like that. And so that's not a perfect match, but it gives us an idea of what a person does not want to do in life. And I think that that's part of that. You got to know what you do not want to do in life in order for you to kind of figure out you know, some direction. And so I I like to, I like to have a process of, okay, so you're going to complete this. And then uh, initially what we do in our initial meeting is just get to know the student, just Mm -hmm. listen to the student's story, listen about where they come from, listen about their siblings, listen about their parents, listen about the environment that they grew up in, because in that experience, you can understand 
what they feel are the possibilities for their life. So I've worked at a rural institution in Arkansas where everybody wants to be farmers. And now I'm at UAB where everybody wants to solve brain cancer. And so you, because they believe that they can do that because they're surrounded around that. Right. And so, so listening to their story and then helping them understand possibility if you move through the the academic process, you're going to be exposed to a number of different people that are diverse, that have a diversity of thought that don't necessarily agree with what you have to say and what you might be thinking. And so helping them understand that the possibilities are broader than what they might've come from. And so from that, we kind of map out over time, this doesn't happen, you know, this doesn't happen in the first meeting, whatever, but we map out the end goal. So, the end goal, whatever that might be, has to have process goals to get there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a former football player. I played yeah, football in that. college. Yep. So everything I do has a process to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the end goal is for you to get into, to become an RN. Okay. What are the process goals to help us get there? Right. Uh-huh. And so the process goes, we set those, and then you have to have a circle of accountability to help you continue to meet those milestones along the way and cheer you on when you get a bad professor and all these type of, type of yeah. things that are reality. That's the process that I've adopted as, as I've grown through career services. So I hope that helps students with clarity. You know, so originally a, a mutual colleague recommended me to reach out to you and he mentioned you're an, you're, you were an athlete. At first I thought you were, I believe there's an NBA player named Brandon Wright. Yeah. At first I thought, oh, maybe this is a, <laughs> yeah. maybe is, is Brandon nah. Wright also good now. Nah. Uh, so, but anyway, you are a, you did play sports at a very high level. I'm just curious, uh, do you see anything that you learned from the coaches throughout your professional, your, your uh, sports uh, journey into college. Is there anything, any kind of similarities where you try to adapt some of the strategies and tactics that your coaches use for you and your teams uh, as you do as a career, you know, coaching students on their career journey? Yeah, I think one of the most important things was one thing that I pull out to everyone is empathy. I played football for like 15 years, you know, from a fourth grader all the way through college. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Every coach I had, under, every good coach, I can say, every good coach I had understood empathy. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot treat every player the same. And you have to figure out that player's assets. You got to figure out what motivates that player. You got to figure out what what does not motivate that player. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of my teammates get motivated when people yell at them. Some will completely shut down when people yell at them, right? And so all the good coaches that I had had empathy and understood that it's not about every player on my team having a pair of shoes. It's about every player on my team having the right pair of shoes in order for them to run the race that they need to run to be successful. That's different. That's yeah. different. That's when we talk about equity and things like that. So, and so that's a, that's something that I take with my team. I say, Hey, each student has to understand that you are creating a tailored experience for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that you are doing your best to understand who they are, what their goals are and where they want to go and how we can just help guide them along. And so from a, 
you know, athletic perspective, you know, it's a championship, you know, it's all conference, all these type of things. Right. But for the student that's coming in our office, it can be as simple as, you know, helping them figure out how to have a conversation with their parents mm-hmm. about them changing a major. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to major in nursing. How do I tell my mom this? Right. Right? So it's a matter of empathy. And that's one of the biggest pieces that I've taken. And there's plenty of more that people are they're like, oh, this guy's an athlete. Here he goes again. (laughs) Here he goes again with his hoo-rah-rah. But you know, here we go. I think it's you know, I I didn't play sports the collegiate level, but I did do a lot of sports, and I think there's so many great life lessons that link to the career journey. I wanted to talk a little bit about networking. Can you maybe talk about what advice you would share with students on how they can develop a networking strategy in order to achieve some of their own goals? So I was, I majored in business. So my bachelor's is in business. My, my master's is in higher education, but I'm in a PhD program for health education, health promotion, right? That's a windy road, right? I think one of the things that challenged me early on in my business curriculum was you know, it was like a mandatory thing that we had to, one, go to career fairs. Two, we had to have a LinkedIn profile. As a freshman, we had to walk through career fairs and just watch, right? I think that for students that are trying to build their networking acumen uh, to, the, to, to take their career to the next level, there's a few things that are even more important right now. One being making sure that they have a high quality presentation on LinkedIn, whether it's LinkedIn or Handshake, we're a Handshake school. So a high quality presentation, high quality headshot, high quality uh, journey statements, your coursework, however you got that lined out, your volunteer work. So that's going to be key moving forward. Secondly, I say as an undergraduate, it's imperative that you invite conversations with thought leaders. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll you be in class with individuals that are obviously thinking a little different than you or that are taking conversations to the next level. The one thing that I've learned is that I think it's Albert Einstein said this, a problem cannot be solved at the same level it was created. So you got to move to another level in your thinking in order for you to be able to wrestle with the problems that you have. And so inviting conversations with thought leaders challenges you and helps you see things through different lenses, right? Definitely. In turn, helps when you're able to have a conversation outside of where you were. So one thing that I was as a student athlete, I got so aggravated because I felt like all people wanted me to talk about was sports. All people thought that I was good for was a tackle or a sack or an interception. And I, I wanted to be able to have conversations about politics. I wanted to be able to have conversations. Out. I wanted basically to be able to sound more than an athlete, right? Yeah, yeah. That's my second key is understand that just because you came from a certain background doesn't mean you can't elevate your thinking by surrounding yourself and invite thought leaders into your conversation dialogues. And two is basically just surrounding yourself with diversity, right? So surrounding yourself with people that don't think like you, surrounding yourself with professors and mentors, 
I had a stats professor in my undergrad, Dr. Roach, a stat professor that was monumental in, the, in helping me think about my future just by things that he said to me and things that he challenged me on. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought about so, but he came from a completely different frame of thinking than I did. Yeah. Right. And so just surrounding yourself around diversity and people that don't think like you and challenge yeah. the norms. I think that those things help individuals think broader, think yeah. bigger. Yeah. And then that in turn help inspires people to transform. Yeah. yeah. Terrific. I would wonder what year did you graduate from college? Oh, my bachelor's 2010. 2010. You know, it's just interesting with everything going on in the world around us. And NBA is a big sport that I follow. And it's been really interesting to see so many star, any kind of NBA level player. Mm -hmm. So many of these guys who are so eloquent in talking and passionate in talking about the racial injustices that are happening around the country. And I wonder if it was 2020 as opposed to 2010, if there would be a different conversation about, oh, you know, Brandon Wright, let's just talk about sacks and interceptions versus Brandon Wright, let's talk about what's going on in the world. But I guess you'll never know that, right? Well, again, it's important to surround yourself around people that challenge you. One of my professors, uh, you know, I come in, class is dressed like a student athlete. <laughs> All my student athlete stuff on, they said, Brandon, you're a business student. I need you to dress like a business professional. Mm, nice. Class like that again. Yeah. And I didn't understand completely, <laughs> you know, what he was talking about, but I knew that she had a point. Yeah. Because all my other colleagues in the class, but yeah, I mean, she was trying to challenge me to be more than that idea of an athlete. So, um, you know, I think that diversity of thought and welcoming that, even though it's uncomfortable, I think that's important. So one of my real passions in my professional life is helping students establish a really positive digital footprint. I have this program in which students go and interview other professionals and then write articles that they publish online. And, you know, I think there's a lot of different benefits that come from, you know, creating that thought leadership and, and networking. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about digital footprint, what role do you see that in, in helping students uh, in their career journeys, and also in, in any ways in which you've seen students build their digital footprint and come up with their own innovative ideas. Yeah. So this data is kind of old, but I've been using it for years. So it's the 2006 survey of hundred execs from ExecNet where they found that 77% of recruiters use search engines to Google candidates yeah. Yeah. before, you know, they call them or anything like that. Yeah. And then from that subset of 77%, they found that 35% of those candidates were eliminated based on the Google search. Yeah. And they expected that number to rise over time, which I imagine that it has increased sure. drastically especially with social media and oh yeah oh yeah yeah with instagram but i've used that over time to, in, to encourage students to think anything you put out there that's free range a tweet that's free range we're seeing it right now where people are digging up tweets from 2012 and getting people fired i know a colleague that was an assistant vice president at a large SEC university. They got a tweet dug up on them from four years ago Uh and got fired for it. Wow. When you put it out there, it's free range. And so we have to be so cognizant of what is online that I think that when, when it comes to a digital footprint, I don't think 
that we have done a good enough job as career centers as a whole, because the, the internet blossomed so quickly mm-hmm. and all these platforms really have made it so that, you know, t- they're, they're, they're moving faster than we're moving. TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, yeah. and things like that. So before we understand how to apply them to the career center, students are already using it. I think when I talk to when, when my career center and we just done a series of newsletters on digital footprint, when we talk about nurturing new ideas through digital footprints, it's more so about branding mm-hmm. and making sure that you're putting out some content that supports who you are both professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. So I have a social media manager in my office. She's a student. She manages my social media accounts for our UAB Career Center. If you're not following us, you need to follow us at UAB Career Center. She's fantastic. So she, what she has done in her personal innovation is she's created a brand for herself that has attracted, I think she's done five internships for different people Mm -hmm. just to manage their social media. Mm -hmm. Now she has paid sponsors and things like that. She has a blog site, you know, people send her free stuff all the time. But I think that it's understanding how our students can brand themselves as a business. You know, when you put yourself out there, you're a business. Yep. And people are going to judge whether or not you're good business or bad business, whether you like it or not. The data behind first impressions is you only get one time yep. to make it right. Yep. And so I think that when we when we're talking about digital, a digital footprint is it's crucial that people understand that what they put out there is free range. And it's important not to only put uh, personal, but also you need to be adding value to the, the organization or the industry that you're of, of interest to. Yeah. Love that. I brought on seven different interns this summer. One of those is on our call producing this podcast. And, you know, I looked at so many different resumes on Handshake and a bunch of people sending resumes to me. And I would look over the resumes, obviously, but then I would Google these different students who applied. And, you know, it just says so much about students that had things that were done professionally versus students that had nothing versus some who had things that didn't really reflect well on their brand. And you got to think about it. If you're not reflecting well on yourself, why would I hire you to come represent the career center? Sure. And not reflect well on me. Right. So not a good, it's not a win-win. Right. So you got to understand the value add of whether or not it's activism, whether it's how you're articulating your beliefs. Mm-hmm. One thing that all commissioners are going to have to look at now is how we're, how are we supporting our activist students? How are we cater, helping them cater their resume that supports, yep. you know, that they're uh, activists, right? And, yep. and it doesn't hurt them. And yep. so that's something that all commissioners are going to have to start really looking at. Yeah. I mean, how do you think about that? Very you know, relevant to the times, obviously. I don't think an activist is any different than a lobbyist. Can you elaborate on that? So I think lobbyists do things in a political construct that has been created to push forward laws and legislation, and they're able to get paid for that. Mm-hmm. They support a piece of law, a piece of legislation. They support a politician. They work for a certain politician to push forward that agenda. Mm-hmm. That's a lobbyist job description. Push somebody yeah. else's agenda. Yeah. An activist is doing the same thing, but is not getting paid for it. <laughs> but is doing it in a very 
unorthodox, man, a very uncomfortable manner, right? They don't get to put suits on actively. They don't do that because you go outside. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's how I think about a lobbyist and I think about, you know, activism. What are the true differences in both of those vocations, right? And I think that as we, as career centers at UAB, we have a 25% diversity rate amongst our students of 20, 22,000 students. And they are activists. <laughs> they are activists. That's why it's on my mind already because I have students that want to put it on a resume and don't want an employer to think second about it. Right. And so, in which I understand, you know, so I think because there's a lot of work that goes into organizing, there's a lot of work that goes into strategizing. There's a lot of work that goes into galvanizing people, right? Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of work that goes into that. And so, but it's just an unorthodox way of looking at change. Yeah. Because I think that if a number of these activist students I have got a degree in public administration, they'll get a job as a lobbyist. I think it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I imagine you might be rethinking how you go about coaching when the next group of students you're working with in light of everything going on. Are there things that, you know, you should and should not in terms of how that impacts a career journey and communicating your passionate beliefs around what's happening in the world? So impact and intent are two different things. So mm -hmm. I think our students have to consider the impact of their decisions because that's what people will see. People are not going to see your intent. They're going to just see, wow, this is a huge disruption. And it's imperative that our students understand how they are communicating their intent, whether that's through blogs, whether that's through media coverage, controlling their narrative, right? Mm -hmm. How are you controlling your narrative and not allowing mass media to tell the narrative for you as a young minority student that is irate about these injustices, right? You just can't go out and protest and allow other people to interview you and chop the interview up without you telling the whole story, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have to, one, you have to have your own media. So you have to tell your own story, right? Mm -hmm. You have to write your story. You have to be able to articulate it in interviews, right? It's a real political uh, vocation. It's just right. unorthodox. Yeah. Fascinating. So talked a little bit, one of your previous responses about your career journey and how, how it's kind of gone in different directions. I wonder if you could elaborate on that a little bit and then maybe talk a little bit as well. You know, you're helping students think about their own career journey. You're helping students think about how they innovate throughout their career. How do you apply your own wisdom that you share with students for your own journey? Initially, I wanted to go to the NFL, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to get my bachelor's four years, I still had a year of playing to go. And my coach was like, hey, go apply for a graduate degree. I didn't have any intent on using it, but I was one year in on my graduate degree and I entered the NFL draft. I went and interviewed for all 32 NFL teams. And then the lock NFL lockout hit and I wasn't invited to any camps during 2011. Mm. Thought I was gonna go to you know the NFL. And so I was doing an internship at Wagner College in New York City mm -hmm. where I learned about 
higher education. I was like, wow, people get paid for this? I never, <laughs> never knew people get paid to work on college campuses. <laughs> I, it was like, wow, I think I can do this. I went back to complete my next year of graduate school. I did an intern. I did a practicum experience in a career center and in that student support services center. It was like, wow, I missed out on a career center. And so I'm going to devote the, my career to making sure students do not miss out on the resources that were available to them in the career centers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at every institution I've gone to now, I went to William Carey University. I was a, uh, the only career consultant there, an academic advisor there. And then I went to Arkansas Tech, where I was a director of my alma mater's career center. And then I got uh, transitioned to UAB in 2018. The thing that I would say that has been constant is my pursuit of helping people accomplish their goals. Whether it was in in Mississippi or Arkansas or now in Alabama, I've always been passionate about helping people accomplish their goals. How you do that in these different career centers will be dictated by your student body, what their needs are, by your employer base, by the resources that you have by your staff. And so I've just really enjoyed that journey. And I never thought that I would be in a PhD program for sure as a football player. I wasn't thinking that I'm going to have a goal to be in senior administration to get a PhD. I didn't, I never, I didn't think like that, but Uh during my internship, I had a president say, hey, you, I think you have what it takes to be a president of a university. Wow. And, uh, and I was like, wow, what? And then I heard it again from another president. Uh-huh. And then I heard it again from another president. And so, and Kevin, I'd say this, they were from people that didn't look like me. Uh-huh. It's important to do, surround yourself around a diversity of thought mm-hmm. and creatives that, that will challenge you because sometimes they can see things in you that – you can't see yourself. And that's what I say to students. Get yourself a personal advisory board. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Get somebody that can advise you on your career. Get somebody that can advise you, whether it's mentally, get you a counselor, right? Yeah. Get you somebody that can advise you spiritually. Get you somebody that can be your fitness coach. Get, you yeah. need a, a personal advisory so, council in your life. So your personal advisory council is not, if you're a 22-year-old white male from suburban America, you shouldn't get five white suburban males who all look and, and think like you, right? No, no, not at all. You need, a, like I said, you need diversity there. And so, uh, and then you need people that are a few more laps around the track than you are. Yeah, love that. Last question, and this is a little complex, but, you know, from your seat in, you know, leading a career center and maybe someday leading a university, what advice would you share with educators, the educators who are interacting on a, on a day-to-day basis with students in terms of how they can basically grow throughout their career journey as that relates to purpose, curiosity, communication skills? What kind of things would you share with educators if you had their undivided attention for 60 seconds? And we're talking about educators outside of the career center? Or? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. I think it's imperative for educators to understand the future of work Uh, The World Forum of Economics, they put out a ton of data on what the future of work through machine learning and AI, how the future of work will look for our students and whether or not we have to have a realistic perspective of whether or not certain degree programs we have will be sufficient to meet the needs of the future workforce and the demands thereof, right? And, And so I think 
understanding the future of work, being open to conversations about the industry and work trends and things like that. I think that's important, but also understanding empathy. Uh, Empathy is going to be so crucial as we move forward for educators because education is not going to look the same moving forward. Right. So when you got a whole bunch of students in your course, then they all got masks on, but you got half the students there. How are you going to be able to develop relationships in a different way and not expect the same sort of, of, of participation as you did once, once they're up. Right. And so just understanding that our students are very socially conscious, even if you weren't, what about your student, right? What about your student? How, how can you step out of your shoes and step into your students shoes and embrace their background, embrace their, the conflicts that might be going on and help them be successful regardless of, where you sit as a PhD tenured faculty member, right? Mm-hmm. That has only worked in the classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that has only worked that has never had to get a job in the industry and yeah. things like that. So let's just make sure that they have that sort of empathy for students. And then also my last thing is when you talk about improving and helping students find their purpose, I think that it's just making sure that we integrate systems within curriculum that directs students to think about, constantly think about the outcome. What is the end goal? Whether it's at your, your FYE course or your capstone, you should have constant reminders throughout your academic journey that cause you to think about that and have conversations. Awesome. Brandon, you provided so much value for me and for the individuals who are listening. I had two previous podcasts before the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. I probably interviewed around 75 to 100 guests in my life. And by far, you're the, the best dressed that I've ever interviewed. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you can put that oh, on right. your, make sure you put that on your CV. <laughs> so anyway, thank, thank you, you so much. Uh, just one final question. Is there a place where you'd like our audience to learn more about you? Twitter, LinkedIn, email, et cetera? Look me up on LinkedIn. I'm I'm there, the the bald guy with the with the tie, Brandon Wright. I'm at UAB. So just look me up and connect with me there. Terrific. Brandon, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thank you. I'm Heidi Justo, one of the other co-hosts of the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. We hope you enjoyed the insights that were shared. We will be back at you with a new episode in the very near future. In the meantime, to keep in touch with me and learn tips to help you proactively manage your career, I invite you to review my website, www.careerpathwritingsolutions.com. There, you will find a rich collection of career-related articles, and you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. And on my side, I invite you to check out the Global Innovators Academy website and learn more about my Interview and Innovator course. Students interview professionals and then create content online. As a result, they enhance their network, learn critical communication skills, and build a stronger digital footprint that makes them more marketable. More information is at www.globalinnovatorsacademy.com. Thanks again for listening. Take care and so long for now.